Broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 and Ajar and Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. Let me just say, Drew Brees is one of my favorite quarterbacks. I often talk about his accuracy and, you know, in the recent past, not too distant past, he had a, a, something that went kind of viral on social media where it was, I think it was a sports science thing, where they compared Drew Brees' accuracy to an Olympic archer. And from the same distance, the Olympic archer hit a bullseye like three out of ten times. Drew Brees hit it like seven or nine out of ten times, like way better than the Olympic archer with a bow and arrow. Drew Brees is something else with the accuracy. He's not one of the greatest quarterbacks who ever lived. And by that, I mean he's an all-time great, but he's not in the inner sanctum of the great quarterbacks. I think I would agree with that. That's Max Kellerman from ESPN. You hear him right before us on Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690 right here uh, Monday through Friday. Brent Morton down St. John's County. Go baseball game today. Uh, and why not be outside? It's beautiful. Uh, here today and coming off the Players Championship, which was another major success. I invite you to watch our essay on the Players Championship coming up at uh, 6.50 on Fox 30 and later tonight at 10 and 11 on CBS 47 and Fox 30. Marcel Robinson and Stuart Weber uh, did a great job from there this week and we put a bow on our coverage. Justin Thomas, a good winner for uh, the players, uh, one of the best in the world, one of the top names in the sport. I wanted a little bit more drama uh, with maybe DeChambeau and Westwood down the stretch, but overall a heck of a golf tournament. Good to be back up at the Players' Championship, and we'll continue to talk about that. But it's a big day for free agency. That's been the dominating story. And a recap free agency here over the next few minutes. But I want to get a quick word in or two on Drew Brees. Do you agree with what Max Kellerman just said? I mean, Drew Brees, obviously the numbers are ridiculous, Austin. You look at the percentages, completion percentage, the 80,000 yards, the touchdowns. I mean, he is one of the greatest of all time. But I, I get what he's saying. I don't put him in the Brady, Manning, Montana kind of conversation. At least I don't. Yeah, well, first of all, I mean, what a breakdown comparing Drew Brees to Olympic archers. That was a sports <laughs> science that nobody even asked for. I don't know what the point of that was. And I love that guy. Yeah, I mean, that guy's awesome. <laughs> Listen, I, I get it. Drew Brees is accurate. You don't got to paint the picture with Olympic archers and everything. You know, do I consider him to be Manning-esque? No. But, I mean... The numbers mean something, Brent, because when we talk about numbers and, and, and the Hall of Fame bid in, in any sport, like numbers say something. And when you look at Drew Brees' numbers, they're some of the greatest, if not the best of all time. So, I, I mean, I don't know. Like, I don't know where you draw the line. Is he a top 15 quarterback of all time? Probably. Top 10? I don't know. But when you have numbers like Drew Brees has, regardless of the weapons that he had to throw to, that still puts you up there in pretty rarefied air, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I think uh, here's where you could make the case that he's closer to that category than you wanna, we all want to think. Yeah, he doesn't have the Super Bowl rings that those guys usually get put in those kind of categories for. But I think he helped change the game, Austin. I think everybody refers to Drew Brees as why Arizona can go with Kyler Murray. Why... Gardner Minshew was a thing around here for a bit and had a chance. Why Baker Mayfield is a franchise quarterback in Cleveland, and it can work. Who am I missing? Probably somewhere. Oh, <laughs> the biggest one. Russell Wilson. There you go. I was waiting for you to <laughs> say that. Seattle. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so, in that respect, he became a blueprint 
that allow GMs to think differently and get off the check the box six foot three, six foot four guy. I can't tell you how much of a difference it is being six foot three rather than six foot two to six foot one to six foot as a as a quarterback in football, not just a pro, but even in high school. Johnny Wolford's a great example of this. Johnny Wolford should have been playing big time football at in the SEC or whatever. He plays in the ACC for Wake Forest, but come on now, Wake Forest isn't the big time Power Five. He could have. He had the the moxie to do so. He had the game to do so. The problem was he was just a shade over six feet tall, and nobody would give him an offer because he didn't check the box of six three. Well, the same thing goes in the NFL. Until Drew Brees comes along, comes back from the shoulder injury, uh, marries up with Sean Payton and has all this success and changes New Orleans, changes the Saints, and really changes the league because now you have three franchise quarterbacks in Mayfield, Murray, and Wilson who are just about that size and teams are willing to put stock in them, willing to see what they have, and willing to say, here's our franchise, you go get it done. He helped change the game. Yeah. No, without a doubt. He was, um, you know, anytime that you put guys, and I don't call him a Mount Rushmore, I'm not going to call him a top four quarterback, but, but anytime you talk about pioneers uh, or some of the best players of all time, they brought something different to the game. And, and, and Drew Brees, you know, we always have these preconceived notions of what a quarterback looks like, and Drew Brees at this moment does not look like a regular quarterback. He, he's, he's on the short side. Um, he's not the most athletic quarterback out there, even though he shook me out of my cleats uh, on a boot, which I, you know, almost <laughs> tore my Achilles tendon. And then to make matters worse, it was at home, and I got Joe Cullen yelling at the sideline saying, how do you let Drew Brees shake you? And I, I haven't any answer for him. I'm like, I don't know. I thought he was unathletic, but he he proved me wrong. But thankfully, I, I, I got a sack on him later in that game, so I made up for it. He there, There's a couple things about Drew Brees that's always going to stand out to me. Number one, it's the fire, and it's the drive. Uh, I'm, I'm reminded of, of all the time seeing him in the huddles, in the pregame huddles. He was the guy that got guys fired up, you know, and, and usually that's rare for the quarterback position. Usually you rely like on a linebacker, defensive lineman, offensive lineman to rally the troops and like get them fired up because you don't see quarterbacks really take charge. Like quarterbacks are leaders. Don't get me wrong. But to, p- to provide like the emotional energy – not a lot of quarterbacks can do that. Drew Brees did. Yeah, I um, think so. Go, oh, ahead. go ahead. No, 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 say, keep, no you go. Yeah, yeah. Um, another thing that stands out to me about Drew Brees it was the fact that he believed in himself more than money or, or circumstance. You're, you're reminded of when it was the San Diego Chargers and Phillip Rivers comes in. And there was that whole thing that went down there. He hurts his shoulder. supposed to go to Miami, but Miami couldn't guarantee he was going to be a starter. Drew Brees said, hey, I'm, I'm going to be a starter on any team. So if you're going to trade for me, you better guarantee I'm going to be a starter. It's funny because we always talk about these days of the modern era NFL athlete being so selfish and, you know, get the money and all this stuff. Well, Drew Brees was doing that how many years ago? Saying, I'm not going to go to your team unless I'm the starter. So that's not a precedent in my opinion. And then obviously just... It's the numbers. Um, it's winning the Super Bowl. Um, you know, it's kind of being that family man, if you will. And let's be honest, there's been some trials and tribulations of Drew Brees, too, as well. Um, he had the whole con with the national anthem thing where some players had to put him in check a little bit. But that's what I'm going to remember about Drew Brees the most. It's the competitor. It's the fire. It's believing in yourself. And it's being a champion. 
Yeah, and listen, I think it would be a great 30 for 30 someday, him and Philip Rivers. The fact that they've retired, they're going to go to the Hall of Fame most likely together if Rivers gets in. I think he's going to be a Hall of Famer. But just the, the dynamic of their story and, and Rivers being in San Diego and replacing uh, Breeze, essentially, and uh, him holding off Rivers for a little bit, but then the ar- shoulder injury. And, and then it gets to this part, Austin. And this is, as much as he helped pioneer the game and change the game for the Russell Wilsons and the Kyla Murrays and the Baker Mayfields, and again, even a little bit of a splash of Gardner Minshew around here, uh, you know, given that opportunity, I think it comes back to Trevor Lawrence in this town. And that's the kind of impact that Drew Brees had on New Orleans. Drew Brees took an organization that I think had been to the playoffs once in like 40 years, 39 years or something like that. Uh, They wore bags over their heads all the time, the fans did. And the city had just dealt with Katrina. And Drew Brees helped, not just him, but he helped. He became the face of the turnaround. And look what they've done over 15 years when they had Drew Brees. There's a very important component here, though. It's the, the marriage of Sean Payton and Brees and the ability for both of those guys to get it done. So I liken that now to two things. One, look at what the Patriots did. Brady, Belichick, again, an organization that had been awful, essentially, for like four decades. They were not good people. I know people that were born like in the last 20 years don't know that, but they were awful. They were a laughingstock, much like the Saints, of the NFL. And Drew Brees, Tom Brady, Sean Payton, Bill Belichick, they helped turn that. Well, here we are, Jacksonville. You have Urban Meyer. You have Trevor Lawrence. Is this what could happen? Is is that the blueprint of Jacksonville? Drew Brees, Sean Payton, could it be Trevor Lawrence, Urban Meyer? The marriage of quarterback and coach, but especially the quarterback that can turn your franchise, your city, your fan base, your everything around. That's why you can't overstate. That's why you can't talk about it enough. How big this is that the Jacksonville Jaguars have the number one overall pick at the time Trevor Lawrence is coming out. Yeah, we're putting a lot on him. But if he delivers the way he's delivered in his career at past stops from high school to college, and he is the real deal, we're talking about that kind of impact on a franchise and a city and potentially even the NFL. You just can't say it enough, Austin, because Drew Brees is the blueprint for that. He changed the entire culture of that place, and he had to deal with other external things. I mean, Katrina was such a big thing there, the emotions of all that. He had to do a lot more, and he did in the community. But I am reminded every time I talk about stuff like this, when I went to Cartersville, Georgia, when I talked to people in Clemson about Trevor Lawrence, they talk about this human being that is going to make an impact in this area as well. Hopefully you don't have to do anything outside of something catastrophic happening in the city like, like they did in New Orleans. But the impact he could have on the field and off the field, it does remind me of the Drew Brees story. And, uh, man, we can just keep our fingers crossed around here. It's that kind of impact. No, I mean, Absolutely. You know, uh, Trevor is expected to be kind of the, the Drew Brees of Jacksonville. Now, those are giant shoes to fill. And obviously, I'm speaking more about the on-the-field performances right now than the, the off-the-field stuff. I think the off-the-field stuff will come later, but I just want to see Trevor Lawrence on the field. What, what he does in the community and stuff like that, that'll take care of itself, I think, in time. But let, let, let's let Trevor Lawrence get acquainted, uh, get his feet on the ground, and then go from there. But, yeah, it goes to show you just how important that it, the, the quarterback position is. By the, and, and there are other places that are trying this, right? Stefanski and Mayfield, if you want to say. Uh, uh, you know, you can go with uh, Murray and uh, Kingsbury. You could say Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson have kind of done it in Seattle. Yeah. So, again, this is not just Trevor. It's Urban as well. And Urban has to be a big part of this, what they could do. But uh, it, it's just um, 
man, where this place has been from a football standpoint to where it could become because we've seen it happen before is real talk. You know, now we just have to see it on display and keep your fingers crossed uh, that it could happen. Hey, let's catch everybody up on free agency. But before we do that, let's hit the happy hour horn on a beautiful Monday in this free agency frenzy. The islands and every drop of Vida de Luis tequila, 100% blue agave from Tequila, Mexico. Good vibes. Drop of Vita Delouis tequila imported directly from Tequila, Mexico to Jacksonville Beach. Vita Delouis, the only locally owned tequila in Jack's Beach. So support local and try Vita Delouis. Award-winning, smooth, and all-natural. Just visit VitaDelouis.com. Taste the islands in every drop. All right, Austin, overall, we've got three free agent signings for the Jacksonville Jaguars, according to reports. Roy Robertson-Harris, defensive tackle on what looks to be a three-year, $24 million deal. I'd call that moderate. Jamal Agnew, a return specialist, maybe one of the best in the game, according to some. And uh, he is going to be a Jacksonville Jaguar. Might be able to help on the offensive side. I want to warn people, though, he was a cornerback last May and transitioning to receiver. How much can you expect out of that? I don't know. I don't think much, at least as of yet, until we see him on the football field uh, in that capacity. And then Rudy Ford, a safety, but looks like a primarily special teams play. What do you think of the first three signings of the Urban Meyer era? Yeah, obviously not the sexiest of signings. I'm sure they have great personalities, but not sexy by any means. (laughs) But with that being said, I actually put out the bat signal to our friends in ESPN Chicago. um, And I asked them, can you give me any information about Roy Robertson-Harris? And they got back to me, and I quote, very underrated rotational player for the Bears, great locker room guy, don't let the numbers fool you, the Bears have a lot of talent on their line, and Robertson was one of the solid players that they had. He gets a chance to start in Jacksonville, where he should prove that he's got a motor um, and loves the game of football. That's going to be our loss. And that's um, from Jonathan Hood of ESPN 1000 in Chicago. So, at least from his situation... Uh, from his perspective, the, the Bears—he well, feels like the Bears lost one there um, with you know with that signing here in Jacksonville. So maybe that does something for you. Maybe it doesn't. <laughs> you know, we're talking about Roy Robinson Harris, but overall, I expect more. I expect to be more people, more signings. Um, hopefully, a tight end. Obviously, I just think that we're just getting started right now, and we haven't really seen a lot of big money being thrown on quite yet. Uh, I'm waiting for that to happen pretty soon. Yeah, I, I think uh, I think as you research the Robertson Harris move, I think you like it more and more. And to me, it makes sense. It's uh, again what I would call a moderate deal for a guy who's on the rise. And so the Jaguars essentially this is like almost like this extra draft pick in free agency. It's not this overspend on somebody that you hope lives up to what they've done the last few years because they've put it on their resume and you hope they can contribute the same way and you're going to give them break-the-bank kind of money. That's not this. This is like this in-between play of where you're really investing in a young player to have the best years ahead of them and you're getting kind of a bargain. 
So I think that's the way the Jags are looking at this, and they get it in a much-needed spot. Defensive tackle arguably is the most needed position for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Tight end is right there, of course. But for a defense that's been leaky at best and has been awful against the run for the last two years, this shores up a little bit of that, gives you an extra body and a big body uh, with athleticism in that spot from Chicago. Uh, The other two moves are not going to wow anybody. Again, they're special teams kind of moves. I guess that does get us to what is next. The final hour of the show here on Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. We're only five, six hours into the legal tampering window of free agency. Jaguars already have reportedly uh, got a couple guys onto their roster. And by the way, those players have now tweeted like Duvall and can't wait to get there. So I think they've confirmed these signings. What is next? And it does go back to Hunter Henry. goes back to Gerald Everett. It does seem like, again, I'm going to say it, because if we get here to Wednesday or Thursday and the Jaguars are still void of a tight end on their roster, then we're going to have a little bit different feel about this thing. Yeah, without a doubt. You know, I mean, maybe they're slow playing it. Who knows? Maybe they're slow playing for next season, Brent. <laughs> take it away from there. The slow play. Take, uh, take hey, that that word should be banned from our show. But go ahead. I mean, well, did, did, well, why? So are you again? You got to say this though. Are you disappointed they didn't throw the bank at Johnu Smith to solidify that spot and now kind of have, uh, you know, kind of put themselves in a position? It feels like where well, don't they have to get one of these other guys? I'm not mad. I mean, I don't know how the negotiations went. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I don't know like how like I'm on the top of the list where Jacksonville stood in terms of John Smith wanting to come here. Now, once again, you go to a place in New England who right now could have a quarterback problem. I mean, Cam Newton's coming back, but how confident are you in Cam Newton giving you the rock? Now, you, you go to a great culture and, and great coaching and all that stuff, and it looks like the Patriots are making more moves here, but the quarterback position still remains in doubt. And you pass up an opportunity to come to Jacksonville where you at least know you're getting Trevor Lawrence. Now, he hasn't played an NFL game yet, but expectations couldn't be higher. I, 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 I don't know. I, I don't know if the Jaguars would offer him like, you know, three or four million more dollars if that would have made the difference or not. Maybe. But I just think that the fact they lost John U. Smith, I at least believe that there is a backup plan. If that was the, the you know, the, the plan A, let's just say, I think there is a plan B. But I'm still under the possibilities that Hunter Henry was the goal all along. Now, I could be completely off. Maybe it's just wistful thinking. But I still think – like Urban's addressed this, right? Um, a lot of people have addressed this. They know that there's a tight end problem right now in that room. And they know you just can't put a bandage on it with a couple draft picks that you take in you know, the second, third, or later rounds. It's just not going to happen. So when you bring a new guy in like Trevor Lawrence, we just got done saying how he could be the difference maker in this city. And, you know, you see what Drew Brees did to New Orleans. Well, Drew Brees had weapons. And while you may have some weapons here in Jacksonville, you don't have a proven tight end yet. So that has to be addressed. I can't state that enough. Yeah, it does. And it will be interesting to see if that's the next domino or if that's a domino that does fall. Again, you got to remember that this is days long, you know. But – it also feels like when you start seeing guys get signed for five years, 80 million, this, uh, you know, whatever it is, uh, six years, 42 million, you start seeing these kind of deals go off and boom, boom, boom. It seems like a lot. You're like, wow, where's everybody going? Why aren't the Jags involved in that stuff? And in reality, there's still a lot of guys on the list 
right? Yeah. There's still there's still a lot of players. I think John U. Smith's off the list. Shaq Barrett, obviously, off the list. Again, I don't think there was that much of a play for a Matthew Judon. Outside of that, have you lost anybody off your wish list? Really? Oh, uh, John Johnson, I think, would be on that list, too. John, well, I mean, some. from the safety position, yeah, because that, that, yeah. he was probably the highest-rated uh, safety that was left. I mean, I want to get Justin Simmons, but he got pegged yeah. uh, by Denver. As far as anybody off Tomlinson. my wish list, yeah, Tomlinson. I mean, but is, what are they saying about him right now? Is he still I, available? Yeah, I haven't seen okay. anything on him. Yeah, so Tomlinson still on the wish list. That's my point. Hunter right? so Henry he's still available. Hunter Henry's still available. Yeah. Gerald Everett's still available. Yeah, yeah, so that's not bad. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not, I'm not panicking by any means. Like, I can see the button. I'm not going to press it quite yet. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, the, the, the button is making itself known right now. I'm going to say yeah. that much, but no, I'm, I'm far from the point of pressing it quite yet. Let's just see how it plays out a little longer. Here, here's the thing. Let me take you back to 2017 for a moment, because the Jags wanted Calais Campbell, and there was some talk that Denver, hometown guy of Denver, right, that he maybe would go there. Well, the Jags, in the perception world, overpaid for Calais Campbell. Now, I think if you go back and look at that, how much was Denver just driving up the price? How much were they really going to get to? How much was this a little bit of negotiation? Bottom line is, perception-wise, the Jags paid a little bit more money to lure Calais Campbell to Jacksonville. And it worked. And look how impactful it was. So I guess that's what we're looking at today, Austin, where you're saying, well, wait a minute now. If you really want to change the tight end room, Go throw more money at the guy than the other guys did, you know, and go get Johnu Smith. But what we don't know is how highly they ranked him, where they had him, how they see him fit, and all this stuff. And the Patriots, by the way, also have a lot of money. So yeah. we're not talking about a team that just like like he gave somebody this discount. He got a deal. So I guess that's from, I think, what we're seeing on Twitter or if your first reaction is like, wait a minute now, the Jacks have all this money, and you're telling me the biggest deal they, they look like they've acquired on day one of this is a three-year, $24 million deal? That's like peanuts. <laughs> no, for sure. But, man, you can't be asking the question, how does Jonu Smith fit? Does he play tight end? Yes? Yeah, yeah. He fits. He fits perfectly. Yeah. Couldn't, couldn't fit any better in Jacksonville. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sorry, sir. Do you weigh over 240 pounds? Yes. Can you catch a football? Yes. Well, come on to Jacksonville. We got a spot for you. So I think that's what. It's a little bit of semantics, but I think that's what folks, if they have any issues so far in the early going, it's like, wait a minute now. Why are the Patriots spending all this money? You have money too. Why aren't you spending all that money? Why aren't you throwing extra money at a guy like you did with Calais Campbell, like you did with Malik Jackson? When you wanted a guy, you went and got that guy. Like, why hasn't that happened yet, even though we have this money? See, we kind of fall into the trap. We get used to that a little bit because the Jags, for that little period of time, had a ton of money. Yeah. You know, and they were spending it. I mean, it was a free agent spending spree, and it worked. You know, those guys were valuable. Malik Jackson, AJ Boye, Calais Campbell. Um, you know, those guys played a huge role in the success. So, uh, again, I, I think you're right. By the way, I think the the relax is right now, and, and let's just see this thing a little bit more. There's still plenty of players out there. Let's catch our breath on it. Um, really do like the one signing. The more and more you read about it, the more and more your Chicago guy says something about it. I like those kind of deals in free agency because Austin, from a team perspective, they feel less risky. You know, $24 million is still a lot of money. $8 million a year is still a lot of money. But I feel like they're trying to buy low on a guy well, and get a lot of value. And I like that. That's what the draft is. That's what yeah. some level of free agency can be. 
no, listen, and, and we, we've heard Trent Balky mention the term value a couple yeah. times in a press conference. So, so I get that. But the only problem with value, and you're fair to compare it to like the draft, right? Like you, the, the, there's the value in the draft as well. That's great and fine and everything, but with value sometimes comes risk, right? Sometimes you get what you pay for. And if you have a value guy and you expect him to be the day one starter, well, hopefully he's the day one starter. Simple as that. Um, and, and I'm not going to lie. Like, I, I like what I'm hearing, you know, from, from the guy that just brought in from Chicago. I, I do. I, I'm intrigued. I think I'm on board. But to have him be the end-all, be-all and say, okay, well, we're set there with Roy Robinson-Harris, I don't think so. I don't, I don't think so from, from any realm of possibility. So I appreciate the value there, but you still have to address the needs um, and, and do so as such. How many free agents do you think they end up with? they got potentially three right now. Yeah. Are you thinking six? Are you thinking eight? Realistically. Can't that, can it? I forget how big the class has no. even been in the past. But um, I feel like a three to six window looks right. Is that? Yeah, I would. I mean, the way they go on special teams, guys, is get a long snapper, a field goal <laughs> well, holder. What's um, interesting, Austin, is these two guys, especially this one, apparently the Agnew guy had a bunch of teams on him. And so the Jags got him, and they wanted him. All right. So, so that makes some sense. But the Rudy Ford one is like seriously something you you usually sign like seven days into free agency. That yeah. I, uh, if you're asking me, I, I'm going to say I think they get six guys, six or yeah. seven. Yeah. I, I uh, I'm going to say I'm about with you. I I think uh, I think six would be right. Cool. All right, let's take a break. Uh, we come back, we talk more about it. What's going on around the NFL as well? Uh, it's coming up. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 here on a Monday edition. Free agent frenzy. It's been a lot of fun. Brent Martineau. Well, listen, if we wanted to just bump WWE by like a half hour or a few minutes, yeah. we should have just rolled your your highlight tape. Austin Lane. Oh, and there it is. And now Brent's playing ball. Oh, son, Chapman throwing some high heat at me. Watch out for that suspension, Brent. Real quick, though. <laughs> Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Yeah, so how do the Bears get Russell Wilson? And they've got to stop, and we have to all stop thinking it's just the Bears and the Seattle Seahawks involved. It's got to kind of be, it takes three to tango. And if I was the Bears, I got a desperate need at the most important position, right? So I call... I don't have the ability to replace Russell Wilson. So I call the New York Jets and I'll go, okay, if we send you Khalil Mack and Kyle Fuller, two great defensive players, and our first-round pick for this year, will we then be able to send you those three guys? And then you take, the New York Jets take Sam Darnold, your 23rd pick this year, so you keep the second pick, your two first-rounders next year, and send them to Seattle, and then Seattle sends Chicago Russell Wilson. Mm. So, like, it's almost NBA-like, right, Jay? And so yeah, we've got to really stop true. thinking, like, how do the Bears do it and only including those two teams? They've got to get creative, and they've got to get crea- uh, courageous. And so I, I think, like, finding three teams to be a part of it is the best way for the Bears to pull it off. That is Dan Orlovsky from ESPN, I believe. And uh, Good call. Good call. You know, Austin Lane, don't get me into these NBA trades because, you know, all these guys proposing these trades, they're confusing the heck out of us. Yeah. And so I can't follow that. I can't follow 14 picks, three different teams involved, four players. 
It's like, can we just make this simple? Just send me a two first and a second for this guy, and boom, deal done. <laughs> it's definitely crazy, man. <laughs> no, you're, you're not lying. It's, um, I like the creativity, but are we out thinking ourselves a little bit here? No, l- listen. When it comes to the three ta- like the three team trades, I, I I don't even like I'll, I'll, I'll glance at it, but then like my brain can only comprehend so much it, 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 with 33 years of life, Brent, and I, I can't fit that into my whole brainscape right now. So I get what you're saying. There's no way. <laughs> Uh, hey, uh, just uh, worth a mention again. We talked about the top of the show, but I I think it's worth a mention. Probably don't talk about it enough. Uh, your brain escaped uh, any damage on Saturday night. Nice segue. Fantastic segue. That's uh, awesome. Yeah. Pretty easy work. Uh, I know nothing's easy, but made it look yeah. easy. Two and a half minutes in, uh, yeah. rear naked chokehold, and uh, got it done on Saturday night in Orlando. Uh, you looked good out there, man. You looked like Thanks. in good shape. Yeah. Feel good. You looked like you... You just in control the whole time. Yeah. So uh, a, a nice win for you in kind of a different way. It must, I think it's kind of cool to get your like first submission win. I know no, you, you're yeah. a big knockout guy. You guys are heavyweight guys. But yeah, still, yeah. Uh, I think you would have probably, ideally, I don't even think you probably would have, I'm going to speak for you here, wouldn't have mind getting punched a few times and, and kicked a few times. <laughs> it feels like you're in a fight a little bit more. No, but, yeah. <laughs> but still, to get the win over on submission, to do it a little bit differently, I, I think that's a nice thing to add to your resume. You, you know what, Brent, I mean, you're not wrong. Like, I'm telling you, bro, you have to get in this fight camp, bro. you got to start cornering uh-huh. me because you, uh-huh. we're on the same page here. You're, you're absolutely right. Now, like Cody like, told me. Okay. This, <laughs> <laughs> I got you. Um, no, but you, you hit everything on the head. Um you know, in retrospect, now looking back on it, I'm very happy with the performance. Um, I got to showcase kind of like that grinding pressure a little more of, 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 of the, the art of wrestling, let's just say. And I used the wrestling to, to transfer to, to some jujitsu. So it, it was really cool to showcase some skills. Obviously, you know, you you always have the the imagery and the, the fantasy of walking away from a, a bloody battle where, yeah. you know, your nose is all busted up and your eyes bleeding and stuff like that. Um, that's what I always envision when, when I walk in there. Like, that's what I get my mind and my body ready for. So when it goes, like, you know, really easy, and I don't want to say it was easy because no fight's ever going to be easy, but when I won in the manner that I did and I didn't take really any damage whatsoever and, and I feel good when I got my hand raised, it, it just it feels different. It feels like, all right, well, that was essentially nine weeks of work for two minutes of freedom as i always call it but like i don't have anything to really show for it but at the end of the day i have a i have another dub next to the the win column so it is what it is yeah it's good stuff uh, by the way i will share in our house i was watching at the kitchen table on the computer yeah I appreciate and, uh, that. and so i actually flipped it on it right i thought it'd be a little bit later but your fight came on pretty early and yeah. the la- the guy right before you got like knocked out big time yeah. um, well, and, and there was like a lot of blood on the in the cage and stuff yeah so he was in my locker room the, the guy got knocked out so like as i'm walking out he's walking in and like you see <laughs> right. like you see the bandages and like oh damn i'm like and, and I go, did you win he's like no i'm like okay <laughs> I'm like, what are just you? a reminder yeah. of what could happen but no i mean that's it's kind of it's always a trip because you know, like, you're getting ready to go accomplish a task, a task that you've been training for a long time. And as you're walking towards that goal, a guy that just went in to accomplish the goal is walking out, and he's all bloody, and he didn't accomplish the goal, let's just say. Yeah. Right? No shattered. So, like, that, like, sticks in your head. It's like, well, damn. And then, like, you walk in the cage, and you see the blood, which I saw, and it's like, 
Well, damn, because, you know, I mean, I have a whole pre-fight routine where I go in the cage before the event even starts, and I kind of go through my flows a little bit. And once again, I just kind of visualize uh, what's going to happen in the fight. And obviously, when you go in the cage, it's clean. I mean, you know, everything's taken care of. Not to say the cage wasn't clean when they washed the blood out, but you can still see the <laughs> remnants of a horror scene. So, like, then I'm walking in, and I see that. I'm like, well, damn, all right, here we go. So I'm sitting at the kitchen table, and I, I flip this on, and I'm yeah. waiting, and they say, hey, your match is coming up next. Your yeah. fight's coming up next. I'm like, oh, great. Uh, perfect timing. Yeah. And so I think Steph kind of knew, but she's doing something else, like sitting on the couch. And then so the fight goes on, and like two and a half minutes later, it's over. <laughs> and like a few minutes after that, she's like, uh, it's over? <laughs> I was like, yeah, it's over. Did he win? Yeah, he won. Yeah. It's like. Okay, good. I was too nervous. I couldn't watch. <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I mean, she, she, you really got Steph and her feelings on this stuff in the cage, man. Oh, no, listen. Even, <laughs> I mean, even this like, is hitting Steph pretty hard. Some of us, some of my best friends have come to watch me fight as an amateur. And, and I remind like my third, I think it was my third amateur fight here in Jacksonville. Well, uh, one of my best friends, AP, came to watch me fight. And after the fight, you know, I won and everything. We were celebrating. And he kind of just pulls me aside. And he's like, dude, I got to tell you something. What's up, man? And I thought it was like something serious about that. You know, like, I don't know what, what he's going to tell me. And he's like, I'm going to be honest. I don't want to ever watch one of your fights again. He's like, I couldn't handle it. Like, I had to do a couple <laughs> shots to just get my, you know, my, my nerves right. And I still couldn't handle it. I'm like, maybe I'm going to come I'll, watch him. I'll tell Steph that the next time. Do, do a couple shots. Meet at the Louis Tequila. We now, got some right at home. Now we're there talking. We I was going to say, that's exactly what I was doing when you won your. I was yeah. doing Irish car bombs with friends. <laughs> Pre, <laughs> pre-fight nerves? We recommend Vita de Louis. <laughs> we, were, we, were, we were out and we're, we're hanging out. And uh, one of my buddies goes, isn't Austin fighting tonight? I was like, yeah, it's probably coming up in a little bit. He goes, no, Brent, Brent just tweeted. He already won. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> Like, yeah, you missed it. Yeah, yeah, it was early. It yeah, was it really was early. early. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was a different kind of show. Like where they try to get. I don't know if there's like a curfew in the building that we're fighting on. Okay. But they try to get guys in and out as fast as possible. So I'm not gonna lie. I actually like going a little earlier. It kind of adjusted to my dinner schedule a little more. So I had no problem going early, man. I was all for that. <laughs> adjusted to my dinner schedule too, uh, and bed schedule. Yeah. I'd be. You know, here's the thing that's interesting. I think you went in the cage probably about 8.05, so it's over around 8.10 or yeah. a little bit after, maybe 8.12-ish. Yeah. And I remember looking at the watch, I was like, wow, this is pretty early. And then at like 8.28, I get a text from Austin. It's like, hey, I won via submission, rear naked chokehold. I'm like, holy cow, he's already back at Texas. That's how much he didn't take a shot or anything. Like, he's <laughs> oh, already no, on no. his phone. Oh, no, yeah. I mean, I, I, I have to keep the crew up to keep the syndicate updated, Brent. Come on now, man. You guys are family here. Uh, no, like, it, it's crazy how, I mean, and it's, we can get into to, to hours and hours of this conversation, but like, it's crazy how every fighter has their own pre-fight routine. You know, like in football, usually, you know, you go through the same channels, you maybe sit in a cold tub or a hot tub, you get warmed up, you go through the pre-game warm-up. But in fighting, like, literally some guys warm up, some guys don't, some guys maybe do a shot, some guys don't. It's just, it's, it's, all angles are covered here in your pre-fight routine. The way I operate is the fact that, like, when it comes to my cell phone, usually if it's, like, two or three hours before the fight, like, I won't text anything. Like, I don't even go on my cell phone. Like, I'll play music, but, like, I don't go on Twitter. I don't go on social media. I just kind of focus on the task at hand. Some guys are, you know, watching TV. It's just, it's different for every single fighter. So, yeah, when when I text you that, I'm like, well, I haven't been on my phone in a couple hours. Let's see what's going on. And then I text all you guys. So. What do you do right after? So, did you go home? Did you go out to eat, celebrate? Oh, no, it was, uh, did you 
So it was it was the best because, like I said, I fought early on the card. So what I did, it was really convenient. The hotel that we were staying at was connected to the to the the fight venue. So I literally walked out of like, I mean I walked out of the cage. I got my stuff. I'm walking back. I texted you. I took a shower, changed up, and I went back to the venue to watch the other fights and everything. Oh, that's so good. yeah. I mean that was cool. And so did you come home like Sunday morning? Yeah, I came home Sunday morning. So then we were staying at a resort. We kind of just hung out as a team, uh, you know, ha- had a couple basic beverages. Good and then, um, yeah, then we got home safely on Sunday. Awesome. Uh, what's next? I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Um, obviously, I didn't really sustain any damage, so hopefully I'll be fighting sooner rather than later. Um, you know, got to find the right guy, the right opponent, but hopefully fighting in the next couple months or so. I was going to say, sometime between two and three months probably be a, a decent timeline. That would be ideal. I know there's a combat night in Tallahassee in about a month or so. Uh, that might be a possibility as well, but I'm ready to roll whenever. All right, good deal. Uh, would you be ready to roll with Casey Haywood? Does that do anything for you? Let's talk about yeah. that. we got Give Me One Thing. We'll put a bow on free agency Monday here on a Monday on Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690 when we come back. It means a lot, obviously. It's a, it's a huge championship, very special. It's, it's a tournament I've, I've wanted to win, um, a tournament that I, I truly did feel like I, I was going to win at, at some point and hopefully multiple times. I just I, I love the golf course. It was in incredible shape this week. The greens were, were so good. The fairways were perfect. Rough was, was long. Um, just a great test of golf. I mean, that's why it's a player's championship, and uh, I, I tried to stay patient. You know, I felt like those last three holes on Friday changed the momentum for us for the tournament. You know, birdie in 16, and then that birdie on 18 was huge, and getting a little bit of momentum, and then kind of rode that into Saturday, and obviously had a great day, and then today it was about trying to get into position and then hang on from there. A little less drama at the Players' Championship on Sunday than maybe we had hoped, but Justin Thomas, one heck of a winner and a heck of a weekend, 64 on Saturday, 68 on Sunday. He is your 2021 Players' Champion. We will have a little bit of an essay and a recap on TV coming up in just a bit. CBS 47 and Fox 30. Join us at 6.50 on Fox 30 and later tonight, 10 and 11 on CBS 47 and Fox 30 to recap the Players' Championship and also recap the day for the Jaguars. If you're just catching up in free agency, the reports are this. Robertson Harris, Roy Robertson Harris, and, and by the way, he's like confirmed this on Twitter too. He's coming to Jacksonville three years, $24 million deal it looks like. Uh, Jamal Agnew, uh, dynamic punt return guy, five touchdowns. He was sought after, according to most. He's coming to Jacksonville as well in a deal that could be worth up to $21 million, according to reports. And then a pretty low-key deal in uh, Luke Ford it is, right, Austin? Luke Ford? Does that sound right? Uh, Not Whitey Ford. Rudy. Luke Ford. Rudy, Rudy. Ford. Rudy, Rudy Ford. Rudy Ford. Rudy Ford. <laughs> Rudy Ford. Sorry. I, I, I was trying to go on, on their Twitter because, like, did you see like, – you said they announced it. So, like, did they say, like, I can't wait to be in Jacksonville? What did yeah, they say? yeah. They were like Duval. No, and all, no. Yeah. Find, find him. Find him, Brent. You can't say that anymore. <laughs> Didn't say 904. I want to see 904. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Rudy Ford. Sorry. Anyway, safety yeah, and, and a special teams guy. Two-year, $4 million, it looks like. So, yeah. Jags make a little bit of a play, but not the splash play. So, we'll keep it posted. Okay. Uh, big story now is Yannick Ngakwe going to see reunite this. with Gus Bradley out in Las Vegas. That's the latest report. So, Jan, which is really incredible, man. One, two, three, four. Four teams <laughs> in less than a year. Four teams in less than a year for a guy who I believe probably should have been with this organization for the next five years and teamed them up with Josh Allen, two 25-year-old pass rushers, and set it and forget it. 
and he ends up with four teams in four years, the latest being the, the Raiders. Again, fits in the Gus Bradley defense and the scheme. We'll see what the money is. I don't know that yet, haven't seen that yet, but uh, I would say a decent landing spot for Jan. Yeah, I mean, it's a defense that he's obviously very familiar with. Um, I think that in Las Vegas, they, you know, they got Crosby, I believe, out, out there. That's, that's a guy's name, right? Not Max Crosby. That's yes. Not, yeah. Yes. Um, it's not Max. Is it. it Max Crosby? Okay. okay. You got it. Yeah, Max yeah. Crosby. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I think it's going to be a good landing spot. We'll see how much money he's making. But it's crazy that in a span of a year, we're talking about his fourth team. Usually you call those guys journeymen. This is a... I don't know what you'd call Yannick Ngakwe in that situation. I'm really curious to see how much money he's made because, once again, that could maybe set the market a little bit uh, at the edge rusher position. Austin, isn't he really a fit guy? Because if you stress run, even Baltimore did that. They were trying to add to their pass rush. But by the like Tennessee game or whatever game late in the year, he wasn't even playing a lot because they wanted to stop the run. Obviously, Jacksonville valued him, but not at the price tag he wanted because there were some concerns about the run. Yeah. And so there is this, I understand it. You go pay, get paid, you pass rush, you, you sacks, you keep, we've had these conversations. But there obviously is some fits that are better uh, there are some fits better than others with a guy with his skill set, which certainly leans toward rushing the passer. Without a doubt. Um, and w- when you talk about, like, for me, the game that really sticks out uh, of what the plan was in Baltimore with Yannick Ngakwe was that Titans playoff game. Because then you had a guy in Pernell McPhee who I actually spent some time with in Chicago, but, you know, he's he's 32 years old. On the back nine of his career, he started that Titans game. Because why? Well, obviously you have Derrick Henry, and you're trying to pound the rock. So uh, Yannick Ngakwe was used a little more sparingly in that game compared to Pernell McPhee, who was out there in, in all the base packages. So it, it would go to show you in that type of defense in Baltimore, they wanted more of that run-stuffer type of guy. Pernell McPhee, who's you know 6'3", probably goes around 270, I would say, at this point in his career, uh, as opposed to a guy like Yannick Ngakwe, who's on the lighter side. Now, you know, depending on the defensive scheme, some schemes they benefit from having a lighter defensive end. But when you're playing in Baltimore, that kind of defense, and keep in mind, Baltimore runs a, a bunch of wrinkles, but the objective was to stop Derrick Henry. That's where Penel McPhee came in. Yeah, good for Jan. I, listen, I root for Jan. I mean, I, again, I, I wish he yeah. was here for a long time, and it just didn't happen that way. And, uh, but I do root for him, and so I hope he goes and, and plays well uh, for the Raiders. Uh a quick give me one thing. Did you see this thing from the other day since I'm at a baseball game? 22 pitch at bat? No. 22 pitch. That's yeah, St. Louis insane. pitcher Jordan Hicks. This is in spring training, too. But it was in the fifth inning. He's coming off Tommy John. Hasn't even pitched in like two years. Yeah. His first pitch was a 100 miles an hour fastball. Second pitch, swing and a miss, strike two. Two foul balls, ball one. Five foul balls, ball two, ball three. Nine straight foul balls, ball four of the 22nd pitch. It would have been the longest at bat in big league history uh, if it was the regular season. How about that? Interesting. Uh, that's a long at bat. See, that's the competitive nature of sports. Yeah. Like, that won't get the attention of, like, a battle in the cage or a boxing ring or anything like that. But that one on one battle between pitcher and batter. Mm-mm-mm. Yeah, a few things are like it, man. Speaking, it's uh, it's pretty good. Well, speaking of baseball, and speaking of getting attention, Trevor Bauer is doing spring training with one eye open, one eye closed when he's pitching on the mound. <laughs> when asked about it, he said, "Ah, it's you know, I, I don't want to tell you why I'm doing it, but there's a method to the madness." Ah, uh, we'll see. Whatever. There's always a madness to Trevor Bauer. All right, he's man, that was a fun day. We'll do it again tomorrow and see what the Jags do yeah. in free agency. Live, local, loud coming up next. We'll see you on TV tonight as well. If
your restaurant has slow bathroom drains and grease blockages, call Superior Plumbing and Pipelining. Superior Plumbing and Pipelining's high-pressure sewer jetting and camera inspection of the drains will assure your peace of mind at your restaurant. Request a free estimate at superiorplumbingjacks.com. 